Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is Wednesday. No, it's not. It's Thursday. <laughs> I've lost the count of days thanks to MLK. My my late start in the week in my new city, um, and it's an actual city. I actually live in a building. It is super my domain. Totally loving it. Um, again, I just want to say before I start my show today, Wow, I have the best listener base ever. You guys are incredible. Some of you send me uh, Starbucks, uh, you know, gift cards. Uh, you send me um, uh, money so that I can you could buy me lunch. Uh, I I I just can't seem to say thank you enough. I I think. Every single one of you wholeheartedly, you have no idea. And during this period of time for the past, you know, few weeks where I have just had the most, you know, unexpected, really unexpected ever, ever, ever. Like I, I can foresee things this, I would have never foreseen, uh, happen, but you know, Hey, we have to believe that. Everything that happens, happens in the time it does and when it does, because the man upstairs knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and I'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, but I want to thank you guys for the continuous prayers. And every time, uh, you know, I drink a cup of coffee or have a sandwich on you, I, I trust me, all I do is say a prayer for you. That is the biggest thing anyone can do for someone is actually pray. And um, I'll be honest, you know, throughout my lifetime, when my mother would say things like that, oh, I'll pray. It's like, really? That's all you're going to do is like thoughts and prayers. Man, they actually work. Because uh, yesterday it was the most, it was the day before yesterday the most bizarre situation happened, and I was just like, um, yeah, so this sucks. And it was at the nth hour that I get this phone call, and I'm like, stop, this is not a coincidence. Stop. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. So today, you know, after my show, I'm going to go visit my new church, um, and I am just so grateful for everything he's done and much more grateful that everyone around the world right now is going through this massive awakening of realizing what's false, what's true, what is honest and what is not, what is up and what is down and and what should be done. This is the most incredible awakening. And for someone who thinks they're woke, not in the term of the leftist woke, uh, my eyes have been open to um, just unwavering faith in something you have never seen, which is God, right? He's someone you've never seen, but you know is there, has, uh, you know, and I've always been religious. I've always believed, but it's different when you just release control completely and say, all right, you know, it's you just just do your thing and it totally happens and right now all of us need to have faith that things are happening tons are happening it is insane what is happening i also wanted to give a shout out to um uh, someone who uh i uh had the pleasure of they caught me right uh in the middle of doing things uh from 
Jeannie Baum. I wanted to say hey to her and hey uh, to her sister. Uh, they've just been so awesome. Uh, Mary Hag. Thanks for being a listener. Uh, they've been awesome. I, I know they met up with another radio show host here on Red State. And, you know, they were like, oh, we'd like to connect. It was so awesome. Even though I was like in the middle of doing a hundred things. I, 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 I swear, you guys, these days, I feel like I need a clone. Uh, like not one. One wouldn't even be enough. I need like 20. At least 20. Uh, one for like work, one for the radio, one for the writing, which I'm getting back to. I'm actually in the middle of my, um, uh, a really good article. Um, and I have another three in draft too, so it's, it's working. Uh, I, you know, I'm getting back into the swing of things. Um, and I need another one to just be mom. I need another one to just do a lot of stuff for me. <laughs> just, I need to be everywhere at once. So it's kind of difficult. But, um, I just wanted to say God bless to all of you, uh, because I hope, uh, throughout these almost, you know, over a year and a half now that we've been to, no, it's not over a year and a half. We've been together for what, like 2018, 2019, a year and yeah, three months, right? year and three months that at least the one thing that you see is um, that you understand that things are happening and that you can see things better. I'm really hoping that that is something you can see. So where do we start? Let's start seeing some things, so seeing some things. And, and that's really important by seeing things because there's so much to talk about. Uh, earlier, uh, you know, when I got off of... Um, uh, the, the uh, when I got off work, um, you know, I I finished a couple of hours of work this morning, um, and I was talking to someone, and they were like, "Yeah, there's there's not really much," and I was like, "Yeah, well, I'm just scoping out because I got all my information last night, some really good doozies." Um, and sometimes it's really hard to uh, get back into the swing of things with my crystal ball, uh, but I I got some really good stuff and. I was thinking, well, what is more relevant? See, because the one that I know about, we've been talking about since 2018. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that time that I've been saying that I even wrote an article about. And it was, and it's on ToriSays.com. It's called Russia Hoax Part 3. And that one is all steganography, right? That one was just there as a placeholder for those that know how I write and what I write about to see it. Okay? It's called Russia Hoax Part 3. And it kind of describes and it shows the corner that me and Owen, John Brennan, squared up toe to toe about his business, his business, global security group that he set up, this business in Luxembourg that then goes there and here and there. And Millie Weaver did a great job of putting a report together about that. So, you know, I think it was titled OSS or something of that nature. You need to go and see it because um, my computer is not being my friend right now. So once I get it to be my friend again, I will pull it up, the exact title. But if you go to Millie Weaver's YouTube channel, you'll find it. Um, that is going to be very relevant. Why is it relevant? Because while I was traveling, right, while I was traveling, the whole website was taken down. And then you're getting all these reports. Oh, Jocelyn Maxwell's like emails were totally hacked. Supreme Court Justice, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, his emails were hacked and his communication. Everyone's just been hacked. You mean we took down the global spy agency and have 
everything we need because we've had it. But now that it's more mainstream, we just shut it down. And then Damazian, which was the company, a family owned, uh, what, what is it called? Damazian family office, <laughs> family office, changed their website from powered of Diab- powered by Diablo to some trees and moving it over into more eco-friendly Greta Thunberg kind of remnants. And, you know, the fun fact is, is that yesterday, something I found out is that Soleimani had some of his, um, I would like to say he was a member of the Damazian family office. I don't know. Maybe we can ask Obama to confirm that. Maybe he can confirm that for us because the, the list is so long. And these people were supposedly a boutique investment firm, but now they help with like cyber stuff and climate and it's all weird. And you're just like, wait a minute. Well, what was this global security group that they supposedly own? I don't know. But what it did have is all the former GCHQ and Intel officers from the United States and other agencies were on the board and their pictures and their faces were everywhere. And it just so happens after Millie Weaver's video, stuff kind of happened. <laughs> like the website's down. Pretty fun, huh? Global security group, gone, 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 gone. Like I didn't know it would be gone. So we'll talk about that in the second hour. In this hour, what I want to talk about is just showing you the hypocrisy of the left. Uh, Just as I was ready to start the show, I saw a tweet from that fabulous journalist, Chris Berg, out of North Dakota. He did Two really great reports, but this one is the most recent one. Apparently, Concordia College in Minnesota is now no longer allowing the NRA to have a collegiate coalition. What's next? Turning Point USA being banned too? So apparently, listen to this, a new student organization mission and activities must not conflict with the values or principle of Concordia College and the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, the one that backs all the migrants coming in and stuff just saying so because it's you know contradicting that we're you know i just think that the one thing that we need to do is get the department of education to check out their title funds i mean how do you shut down a group that is uh, protecting and upholding the second amendment of the united states constitution you can't Uh, title funds that's called discrimination so this seems to be like a really good lawsuit to me Pretty slam dunk. Title nine, they can kiss that goodbye. That's how they have to start this stuff. You know, you can't get title nine funds if you're going to be excluding things that are protected under the United States of America Constitution. So whatever clown put this together uh, back in two years ago, two years ago, this is from 2017. Uh This needs to be out and open and circulated like crazy. And I'm going to be reaching out to this um, Natalie Reinhardt, telling them this. I want to know what's going on here. So we're not allowed to practice or have groups that support constitutional rights. Then why are you getting federal funds? You shouldn't be getting that because, you know, constitution isn't your thing. 
So that was one. Uh, one thing. Okay, let's before we get into Schumer and the impeachment and what he said today and what Hirono said that completely blew my mind. I want you to take a listen to the attorney generals of various states. Twenty one states. Twenty twenty one states came together and signed this, but five Republican attorney general announced action against the Senate to reject articles of impeachment because they're illegal. They're not. There's. It's an article of impeachment that cites no title code. So it doesn't even stand to have a definition of article of impeachment. You can't have an article of impeachment if it's not attached to a title code. Bill Clinton was rape. They took it down to something else. Still a crime. Still a crime. Still a crime. Still a crime. President Trump, no crime. They just don't like him. And they want to say, oh, it's a crime to ask the court to be able to exercise your authority because they want all the authority. So here are the Republican attorneys generals announcing this action um, and asking the Senate uh, to reject the articles of impeachment because they're illegal. And these are the attorneys for states. So they are supposed to know what they're doing. But funny enough, the one attorney general, the one that loves me, that we've been in litigation like crazy didn't put his name on it. It could have to the fact that he's not really good with the administration. I mean, even during the rallies, he's not even allowed in the president's circle and he's the attorney general of the state of North Dakota. Not only that, okay, this guy is still trying to figure out where these sealed indictments that might be coming down the pipeline quite soon um, about him, where they're filed. I mean, I mean, he could try to call Huber. Right. So and I'll tell you his sorry excuse as to why he didn't sign it, along with other 21 of them. Take a listen to what they had to say. First, I would uh, like to welcome everyone here today. My name is Alan Wilson. I'm the attorney general of South Carolina, and I'm joined up here by several colleagues from uh, various states around the country who have uh, joined in a letter asking the United States Senate to reject the articles of impeachment because they are both legally insufficient and factually flawed. Uh, first, though, I would like to thank uh, Congressman Meadows and Congressman Zeldin for being here today to support this opportunity to take our case to the American people. Today, we are submitting a legal opinion, a friend of the Senate brief, if you will, to the Secretary of the United States Senate to aid the senators in their deliberations. And in that letter, we are outlining the problems, both factual and legal, with the articles of, the, of impeachment that were passed last month by the United States House of Representatives. Um, we are asking the United States Senate, on constitutional and legal grounds, as well as lacking in factual sufficiency, to reject these articles. First, I want to st- uh, state that impeachment is a legitimate constitutional tool for removing a president from office. However, it is a powerful tool, and it must be used responsibly. Here, in this particular case, in this instance, it is not being used responsibly. When I was a young prosecutor, a more seasoned prosecutor gave me one of my first lessons in in the courtroom. He says, Alan, as prosecutors, you you don't prosecute the person, you prosecute the conduct. You don't prosecute the person, you prosecute the conduct. And what he was trying to tell me and what I'm trying to tell all of you is that if you take out the personalities, this is a very different case. People 
or prosecutors, people standing in judgment, should not allow their personal views or passions about an individual to affect their judgment in deciding when and how to indict someone for committing an impeachable offense or a crime. That's what's happening here. The impeachment articles, Articles 1 and 2, obstruction of Congress and abuse of power, are legally flawed, factually insufficient. They are inherently destructive of separation of powers, and they're contrary to the vision of the framers of the U.S. Constitution. This is all outlined in this legal opinion. But most important, there is an incredibly dangerous precedent being set here today. I don't want this precedent to exist I don't want the House of Representatives to turn the presidency into a ward of Congress. I don't want the Democratic House of Representatives to have this kind of power in the future. And I especially don't want Republicans to have this kind of power. This is not about partisan politics. This is about creating a constitutional precedent that could, could harm our country for, for generations to come. The president, in, under Article 1, was basically impeached for the nebulous crime of abuse of power because he exercised his constitutionally, um, constitutionally permissible power of talking to a foreign head of state about concerns he had regarding, regarding the receipt of military aid. Now take out the names in this. There are no names. This is what presidents do. However, the precedent that's being created under Article 1 is basically that if the House believes that the president will receive a political benefit, then that fact alone is proof of corrupt motives. Here they are prosecuting a person not to conduct. This, this is also true if you look at the underlying issues that were raised in the call with President Trump and President Zelensky. Let's take out the names. Imagine President Trump threatens to withhold funding to Ukraine unless Ukrainian prosecutor uh, is not fired before investigating a company that, he, uh, that his son, that President Trump's son would be on. We'd be having a very different conversation right now. But when that fact was raised this past year, we heard crickets. Here is the same thing. They are imputing a corrupt motive on facts that are perfectly permissible under our Constitution. And it is something that if this happens in the future, it is going to hurt presidents of both parties. Go back to 2012, President Obama overheard on a hot mic talking to President Medvedev of Russia about asking for flexibility until after the election so they could pick up negotiations on missile defense and other matters. Asking for a benefit, a political benefit, till after the election is the same concept here. That kind of stuff, we should not impute political motives, or corrupt motives rather, because when the conduct is pure, purely and purely permissible under our Constitution. Under the obstruction of Congress charge, this one is very troubling. When you read Article 2, obstructing, uh, obstruction of Congress, what you will not see anywhere mentioned in that article is executive privilege. Here's the problem I have with that. The president is allowed to invoke executive privilege when dealing with matters of national or international policy and military aid. If the House of Representatives did not think that this was an appropriate application of executive privilege, they could have taken the president to court, challenged the lawfulness of that invocation, and then heard from a court. But if we all remember, they did not want to wait. Remember what they said? This is too urgent. This is too important for our country. And so they rushed 
to basically claim that he's obstructing Congress for utilizing a constitutional power of executive privilege, and now they're impeaching him for it. The failure of the House to mention the president's invocation of executive privilege underscores the political nature of this impeachment process. This impeachment process is creating a very, very dangerous precedent that will make the president and all future presidents a puppet of Congress. I don't want any future House of Representatives, Republican or Democrat, to have that kind of power. That is why today I am excited and honored to be standing with some men and women up here, my colleagues from respective states around the country who have signed on to this letter asking Congress to reject these articles of impeachment and stop this dangerous precedent. Now, I'm going to stop it there. I want to tell you which states they were. Are you ready, you guys? So we have Alan Wilson of South Carolina, Jeff Landry of Louisiana, Sean Rays of Utah, uh, Steve Marshall of Alabama, uh, Curtis Hill of Indiana, Kevin Clarkson, Alaska, Derek Schmidt, Kansas, uh, Leslie Rutledge, Arkansas, Daniel Cameron, Kentucky, Ashley Moody, Douglas Peterson, oh, uh, Ashley Moody of Florida, Douglas Peterson, Nebraska, Christopher Carr, Georgia, Lynn Fitch, Mississippi, Eric Schmidt, Missouri, Jason Ravensburg, South Dakota, Tim Fox, Montana, Herbert Slatery III, Tennessee, Dave Yost, Ohio, Ken Paxton, Texas, Mike Hunter, Oklahoma, and Patrick Morrissey, West Virginia. You know, and so the weird thing is, is that a lot of people in a lot of states are asking, well, why isn't mine signing on to this? Because again, if you remove the person and you look at the claims that someone makes when they try to file charges, right? You have to think, well, why are you going this extra measure for this person? Why are you making stuff up? I said this, you know, a while ago, these articles of impeachment have no legal standing whatsoever. They don't cite a crime. Instead, they create a position where the president is no longer president, right? We said this. We already talked about this. Now, North Dakota thing, what I wanted to say is that Attorney General Wayne Stengem uh, was, you know, obviously didn't sign on. And I wanted to read to you guys uh, what he had to say to a supposed, um, uh, to a person he sent on uh, Facebook Messenger, because I guess that's the way he communicates with people. <laughs> which is pretty bizarre. Um, he uh, said why he didn't sign on. And, you know, what people don't seem to, to, to understand is, remember, this guy was invited to McCain's funeral. This guy has Barack Hussein Obama on speed dial. He's limp-wristed just like him. You know what I'm saying? This is how it is. And why didn't he sign it? Because he wants the president impeached because he's got investigations pending on himself. Did you see how many people went down? Look, all you have to do is look at um, Chicago. Mayors, governors, councilmen, states attorneys, all being shackled up and thrown out. And uh, that's going to be coming real soon to a state near you. We have Supreme Court justices of states 
around the nation resigning or I'm going to retire. Right. Sure you are. That's the way of saying you're not getting any pension and you're fired. But we're not going to tell anyone because then it makes us look bad of how many cases and there's, you know, we're going to, the Diglio is going to be coming up and we're going to have to be retrying cases and that's going to cost us a fortune, which is not a good thing. I'd prefer that uh, we pay a fortune rather than uh, keep it under the covers, right? But here's the statement that the attorney general gave. I just want you guys to listen to how ridiculous this is, okay? It says, the letter makes excellent legal points, which I believe the Senate is already aware of. I express concerns. However, that state AGs, those, however, that meaning those state AGs should be wary of asserting their opinions on a matter entrusted entirely to the U.S. Senate when we have not been be asked to do so. I visited with Senators Craven, Kramer and Hoven. Hoven is just like him, by the way. Uh, Kramer's in the league of his own awesome on Sunday to express those concerns and told them that as a constituent, I would forward the document directly to them because to the extent they may not be aware of these legal issues, they will certainly want to consider them. I am confident our two senators will be fully informed and will make the right decision on behalf of their constituents, consistent with their constitution constitutional obligations. Okay, so he didn't really type it that well. Neither am I. I mean, on text, I'm not so good. But what he said was, yeah, you know, I talk with the senators to express the concerns. You mean you talk with them because they were like, yo, you signing it? He's like, yo, I'm not going to sign it because I'm just, you know, I wasn't asked to put in an opinion. Since I wasn't asked to put in an opinion, I'm not going to do it because it's not in my benefit. So because of that, I'm going to have to pass is what he said. But I'll give it to you. So you guys, you know, the points are great. And if you don't have it, I'll give you the letter since you guys are so interested to find out what this letter, because, you know, obviously they didn't decide on Wednesday yesterday to just put it out there. They've been working on it for days. Days and days, if not weeks, to make the legal arguments. Because if they, if you see it, it's got footnotes, case references, etc. So he knew about this and didn't want to sign it. And instead, the Senate, the senators of North Dakota, Hoven, who's a clown, and Kramer, who's awesome, uh, and both Republican. Even though you know Hoven's a Republican, he's still a clown. Uh, you know they didn't know what the content was. They heard it down in the, you know through the pipeline, right, on Sunday that it's going out and people are signing and they were like, yo, Wayne, you you going to sign? Oh, no, you know, I wasn't asked to. And uh, yeah, so, but I can send you a copy of the letter so you could take a look at it because it makes really good arguments, but I shouldn't do it. I'll just be a constituent in this because you guys are responsible for that. So I won't put my signature on it. Yeah, that's because if President Trump does get impeached and he signed it, he's out of a job. But you know what? You're out of a job anyway, Wayne, because there's some sealed stuff going on you have no idea that's how it rolls that is how we work that is how the good guys work you let them pull their own pants down this right now we see him in his tidy whities right there which is that message and that response i'll see you all right after this break
All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. So we've got the attorney generals on the record saying, yo, what's going on here? This is totally illegal. And, you know, I'm not an attorney general. I'm not an attorney either. But the legalese speaks for itself. You got no title. You got no leg to stand on. And this is very dangerous going forward as well. So now what else do we have? We have Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, who had this glorious glorious speech guys every time i watch him i think of the penguin from batman i can't i I just can't um glorious little speech this morning he was so excited for himself um but it's pretty pretty interesting how he put it but before i do that before i do it what i wanted to put um out for you guys to listen is a five minute clip by abc and it's called Biggest Moments from Impeachment Trials Opening Argument. What big moments? It's all rubbish. Take a listen. The second day detailing how President Trump pressured Ukraine in a scheme to cheat in the 2020 election, blocked Congress from investigating, and they're now calling on the Senate to demand key witnesses and evidence to ensure a fair trial. Our senior congressional correspondent Mary Bruce is checking it all on Capitol Hill. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, George. Well, Democrats are meticulously making their case here, going line by line through the evidence and creating a timeline that they say shows the president abused his power and should be removed from office. But they're also pointing out what they don't know yet and urging senators to help fill in those gaps by calling additional witnesses that are being blocked by the White House. After a late night laying out their case. Senate is adjourned. This morning, Democratic prosecutors are preparing for day two of their opening arguments, accusing the president of abusing his office for his own political gain and obstructing Congress. The president was the key player in the scheme. Everyone was in the loop. He directed the actions of his team. He personally asked the foreign government to investigate his opponent. These facts are not in dispute. For eight hours, Democrats going chronologically over every phone call, every email, and playing video using the president's own words against him. Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. Start a major investigation into the Bidens. The evidence of wrongdoing by President Trump is hiding in plain sight. Democrats warning the president must be removed from office to protect the 2020 election. The president went to extraordinary lengths to cheat in the next election. And they urged Republicans to let them call additional witnesses that have been blocked by the White House. The full and complete story is within your power to request. Ask yourselves whether the documents and witnesses that have been denied by the president's complete and unprecedented obstruction could shed more light on this critical topic. Sitting silently through it all, the president's legal team, they won't have a chance to respond and make their case until Saturday. But the president is already chiming in. On his way back from Switzerland Wednesday with the trial underway, Trump tweeted more than 140 times, more than any other day of his presidency. Now, the Democrats have about 16 hours left on the clock, and inside the chamber, senators are paying close attention. We have seen them taking detailed, copious notes, but Georgia does seem some fatigue is starting to set in here. We've also spotted senators standing up, stretching their legs, or sneaking in some extra snacks, and they are expected today to be back in those seats 
at 1 o'clock. Can't blame them for a little stretch. Okay, Mary, thanks very much for bringing our chief legal analyst, Dan Abrams, for more on this. There's really two different arguments going on now from the Democrats. On the one hand, they say they have an overwhelming case that the president should be convicted. But even if you don't believe that, you need to fill in all these gaps for a fair trial. You would think that the key here would be the substantive arguments about abusive power and obstruction of Congress. But really, the focus is on more witnesses should be called. Witnesses should be called. Uh, we need to be able to hear from additional people. So if you view the arguments that way, and not just as an argument to try to convince them to remove the president from office, which I think they know is an incredible long shot, it starts to make a little more sense what the strategy is, how they're doing what they're doing, why they keep coming back to this issue of the holes in the story and how they want to fill them in. And, you know, the White House is still hoping, perhaps at some point, for a motion to dismiss. Now, in a courtroom, the judge dismisses the case when he says or she says all the facts are true, but it's not a crime. Right. I'll assume that all the facts are true and it still wouldn't be a crime. I don't think that's the way they would frame it here if there were a motion to dismiss. But again, we're talking about potentially 51 votes to have more witnesses. You also need 51 votes to be able to get this thing dismissed. So I think that's still a long shot for them. I think that there are enough senators who are going to want to at least be seen as hearing all the evidence, listening to it out, uh, and not entertaining a motion to dismiss this point. Rudy Giuliani playing a big role in this case. Uh, a huge role. They're, they're again and again trying to convince these moderate senators that Giuliani was the arm of the president. And any of the shenanigans that he was doing in Ukraine are effectively the president's actions. And it's a powerful argument. Dan Abrams, thanks very much. You'll be joining us for our live coverage of the Senate impeachment trial. I'll be anchoring with our whole political and legal team. So basically, anything Rudy Giuliani does is what the president does. <laughs> and they want to bring witnesses. Why do you need witnesses? Don't you have enough? I mean, you had enough to pass your articles of impeachment, right? So why are you asking for witnesses now? I thought you had everything you needed to put him away and remove him and do all this stuff. But suddenly you don't? Mm. Let's listen to how Chuck Schumer asks for the same thing this morning. Take a listen. Good morning. And uh, before I begin on the impeachment issue, I want to say this. The president said in an interview yesterday at Davos that he will take a look at cutting Social Security and other entitlements after the 2020 election and that it is actually, he said, the easiest of all things. The president promised that unlike other Republicans, he wouldn't touch Social Security and Medicare. He's already broken that promise and gone after Medicare. Now it looks like Social Security is in the president's crosshairs as well. Even as this trial, even, at, even as this important trial continues, Americans should hear that the president is casually talking about cutting their Social Security at a Swiss ski resort with the global fan financial elite. Now we, get the, now we get the impeachment stuff. Okay, to the matter at hand. Today was a discussion uh, sorry, Tuesday was a discussion over amendment votes. But yesterday, the managers got to lay out their case uninterrupted. As manager after manager stepped up to lay out the evidence amassed against the president in precise and devastating detail, the atmosphere of the Senate 
took on an entirely different dimension. It may have been the first time that many of my Republican colleagues heard the full story, the complete narrative from start to finish, uninterrupted and not filtered through the kaleidoscope lens of Fox News, where at best things are left out and at worst things are terribly distorted. It may have planted the first seed in their minds that yes, perhaps the president did something very wrong here. Mr. Schiff and the other managers did an exceptional job laying out the facts of the president's alleged abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, meticulously walking through the chronology, anticipating and rebutting the most predictable counterarguments from the president's counsel along the way, and knocking those arguments down before they got there. I was particularly impressed how Mr. Schiff undid the ability of the managers to say, well, the president said there's no collusion, and they kept pointing out in a very clear way in the same, sentence, in the same phone call or in the same letter or in the same conversation, he then went back to holding back the aid. It has been only one day, but House managers are setting the bar very high for the President's Council to meet. At this point, I'm not sure how the President's Council, as unprepared, confused, and tending towards conspiracy theories as they have been, can clear it. And I'd say one other thing, particularly in the last two hours, when Mr. Schiff summed everything up. I was there, and I like to watch my Republican colleagues, and many of them really don't want to be there. And so, for some of it, they're looking the other way. They may be chatting with somebody, sitting this way. Schiff had such power in his speech that he almost forced them to look at him and listen. And yeah, they were probably looking at his dilated pupils and how insane he looked when he was talking. But come on, powerful? Was he listening to another speech I wasn't listening to? I mean, yeah, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, art is in the eye of... But come on, this onerous, you know, butthurt, you know, oh my gosh, they're going to find out that I embezzled billions of federal tax dollars through the Ukraine motivation doesn't do it for me. Just about every Republican's eyes were glued on Mr. Schiff. Yeah, so probably thinking, what is he talking about? Rendition. Now, what are the Republicans saying after yesterday? Well, the same Republicans are saying that they heard nothing new. But these Republicans voted nine times on Tuesday against amendments to ensure new witnesses and new documents to come before the Senate. Let me repeat. The same Republicans saying they heard nothing new just voted nine times on Tuesday to hear nothing new. If they want new stuff, there's plenty of it. As the managers made clear, a lot of the documents are sitting there, all compiled, all ready to go, with simply a vote of four Republicans to subpoena them. So this argument that they heard nothing new when they vote against new evidence repeatedly, rings very, very hollow. If my Republican colleagues are interested in some new evidence on top of the very substantial House record, there's a very simple answer. Vote with Democrats 
to call relevant witnesses and documents. The presentations themselves argued both in implicitly and explicitly for the importance of witnesses and documents. At key points yesterday, it was so clear that we ought to hear from Mulvaney and Blair and Duffy and Bolton, who are at the center of these events. It was so clear that we must review relevant documents. If someone doubts a witness reporting a phone call, the way to verify it, to see if it's true, is look at the underlying document. They don't want that. The managers kept referring back to what underlying document, what evidence are we, what, what, wait a minute. Didn't they already spend our taxpayer dollars hiding in a skiff, having all these witnesses, putting all these things together? I mean, if they had everything to, to pass these articles of impeachment, they shouldn't need more. That's not how this works. You don't add more. You just provide what you have. You're not going to get new witnesses. Oh. Can you believe that they said, oh, yeah, we're going to um, we want to bring new documents and new evidence. What do you mean documents like manufactured 302s, like the ones to box in General Flynn? You want to bring them on? Huh? Who are you going to bring more witnesses? What are you bringing? The fifth cousin of the fourth cousin that was married once to, to, to the friend of, you know, someone that's a fifth cousin, fourth times removed, uh, that was a janitor at the white house for like a day as a contractor. Is that who you're bringing as a witness? Cause so far what we saw was a bunch of butthurt individuals that were fired. Someone in the military that is getting kicked out. Someone that has loyalties to other countries. Yovanovitch, butthurt ambassador, who herself with her own mouth said, well, I was hearing rumors in 2018 that they were like doing stuff and looking into Burisma. But I thought it was because they did it to get Joe because he's such a great opponent and he's so lethal. Even though Joe didn't announce his candidacy for president five months later since she heard rumors. You know, because she was fired not only for being corrupt and paying for apartments while she was, you know, uh, an ambassador in another country for ISIS in Turkey and Georgia, but she was fired because she was playing gatekeeper for the DOJ. This woman was deciding if the prosecutor general's office can have visas to come to the United States to meet with the DOJ. So that means she was in violation of a treaty between the United States and the Ukraine that has been standing since 1999. But she was an, uh, uh, an amazing ambassador. She did her job with outmost respect and support for the United States and what it stands for. You mean whatever they stand for, because they are coming to the surface super duper quickly. We saw a glimpse of that when one of their own failed today. But that's where we're at, guys. They don't have they know it'll get tossed out because the judge will be like, yo, what is this? This cannot stand in a court of law. I need to toss it. So they're like, they're going to toss it because we can't admit that we were spying. Oh, no. Global security group is down. This is why Schiff's eyes were like dilated. The guy was like on on a coke binge with bags under his eyes for sure, you know, because or adrenochrome, whatever, you know, each to their own home. Hmm? So this is where we're at right now. They're in full panic mode and they should two important documents that we know exist and that we know concern the charges but are being hidden from the Senate 
and the public by the President. One example, Taylor, Ambassador Taylor's memo to Secretary Pompeo after he spoke to Bolton, in which he gave a contemporaneous account of his concerns about the President's corrupt scheme in Ukraine. Why wouldn't my fellow Republicans want to see it? Why wouldn't they want the American people to see it? I don't see how any senator, Democrat or Republican, could sit on the floor, listen to Adam Schiff and the House impeachment managers and not demand witnesses and documents, unless, that is, they're not interested in the truth, that they're afraid of the truth, that they know the President is hiding the truth. I think the case for witnesses and documents is so self-evident that many of my Republican colleagues are desperate to talk about anything else. They're so eager to change conversation from witnesses and documents, from over the question of fairness of the trial, that they're inventing shiny objects and so-called outrages. We don't know what the next one will be. The truth. If the truth was a person, the Democratic Party and them would have split up not talking to each other for decades. This is all rubbish. They want to introduce new stuff so they can create a new pocket of discussion, right? Because they got nothing, not a zilch, zero, nothing. And whatever they do got, they have to admit that they were spying. And all of that is coming to fruition anyway, right? Jocelyn Maxwell's emails were hacked. Chief Justice, Supreme Court Justice, they had blackmail on him because they hacked his communications. They hacked every single FISA judge. They, 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 they. Oh, Owen. But it'll surely be something irrelevant to a fair trial because they don't want to debate that issue. So they try to turn you, the press, and the American people away to look at something else that has nothing to do with the trial. Make no mistake about it. The issue of relevant evidence, documents and witnesses, is going to come back up. And Senate Republicans will have the power to bring that evidence into the trial. We saw how Leader McConnell was forced to modify his resolution on Tuesday after certain Republicans raised objections. Republican senators, four of them, it's in their hands, can make this trial more fair if they want to. The question is, will they use that power when it really matters? Senator Hirono. Thank you very much. I'm glad our leader started by saying that the, the president has said that he is going to cut Social Security. And this remind, reminded me of in the midnight hour on Tuesday when Cipollone got up and said that the president is a man of his word. I wrote on my notebook, what a whopper. That's not the only time. <clears throat> the House she managers. Didn't mean a <laughs> definitely not. The House manager gave a powerful presentation, the factual basis for why the House voted to impeach this president. And it's good to be reminded of the human dimension of what the president did because we all know that the president doesn't give, like, give a rip about the human dimension and the consequences of what he does because he only cares about himself. But when um, Jason Crow said during his presentation that as, as a veteran, having fought in Afghanistan and Iraq, what it felt like to search for scrap metal to, to fortify their vehicles because they didn't have those kinds of protections, or to watch Ambassador Taylor on video 
saying that when he went to eastern Ukraine and talked to the commander who was fighting the Russians there, and the, the commander thanking him for the American aid, and Ambassador Taylor knowing full well that that aid had been held up, who of us would not feel like, you know what? You know, he, felt, he said he felt badly. I'm sure he felt worse than badly because our country did not keep our word. So the human dimension of what the president did is something we should not forget. And yes, we've all heard that our colleagues are saying, well, why don't we have new evidence, which, by the way, we spent 12 hours or 13 hours on Tuesday. Uh, they spent sh uh, shutting down. So that's total hypocrisy on their part or that they're getting restless. Most of us get restless when we are presented with information we don't want to hear. Right? Like the information that I'm about to give you, they don't want to hear. You gave the Ukraine four and a half billion dollars, tax dollars, in the past seven years. Right? Seven years. 2013, 2014. We could go before that, too. But let's talk now, because we could add, do the math. And they had to use scrap metal. Where is that $4.5 upwards? Where is it? Because USAID can't reconcile with Treasury Hirono. Where is the money? Uh, maybe we should ask Schiff about the fake blimps. Maybe we should ask him about how he gave multi-million dollar contracts to Igor Pasternak for M16s. Why are you giving a guy that you've paid millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars to that was responsible for what? To give you blimps. Oh, no, he wasn't actually. He wasn't forced to give him any blimps. He was told to talk about it, dream about it, and kind of think about it. I want to get paid billions of dollars to dream of blimps. But the last thing they gave him was M16 contracts. So now from blimps that he doesn't make but talks about and draws about, uh, he's making M16s. Where are all the M16s, Hirono? I don't see this outrage of where our money that we worked so hard for, where is it? Maybe we should ask Amy Klobuchar. You know, McCain's already dead. So, you know... We can't ask him. And Bernie, like I told you, he's going to be out before the elections happen. He had the same McCain mark. Now, this is all fake outrage. I am so angry just listening to them. Uh, we're coming up to a break, so I'm going to see you guys shortly right after this. A short break. But keep in mind, fake outrage is going to fake, right? Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So, where we left it off is the Democrats putting on a show, telling you how outraged they are at what the president did, but none of this Ukraine stuff is being part of the articles of impeachment. What they want to do is bring it into the Senate so they can drag this on and make something out of nothing. You put your articles of impeachment. You got to stick with them. That's all you got. You can't do more. I mean, listen to what the attorney general say. At this time, I will be followed by my good friend and colleague, the Louisiana attorney general, Jeff Landry. 
Thank you, Alan. <clears throat> Again, my name is Jeff Landry. I'm the Attorney General for the state of Louisiana. I want to thank General Wilson and General Reyes, uh, General Reyes of Utah, for working with us on getting this letter to the Senate. I want to thank my colleagues as well. You know, each and every day, Attorney Generals from around the country work to uphold the rule of law. Today is a disappointing day for America. For over a decade now, you have been hearing people like myself telling you all that there is a complete erosion in the rule of law. Today, it is on full display in the United States Senate. These impeachment articles would not hold up in any court of law. And impeachment was never designed to be a partisan response towards one party losing a presidential election. The weaponizing of this process that should it's a weaponizing of this process that should only be used in very rare circumstances. If the House can impeach a president for basically invoking executive privilege, then presidents from now on become mere congressional pets. And that is troubling. Our framers hesitated to give Congress impeachment power and only did so under very limited circumstances. Unfortunately, today, we see the rule of law being eroded, and we would hope that the Senate would be wise and reject these articles. I would now like to invite General Leslie Rutledge from the state of Arkansas to say a few words. Good afternoon. Again, my name is Leslie Rutledge. I'm the Attorney General of Arkansas. I am honored to stand with my colleagues and I appreciate their leadership as Attorneys General from 21 states came together to write this letter to the United States Senate. We're the chief legal officers of each of our states and recognizing the importance of the rule of law, recognizing what this impeachment trial has already done to the United States of America. What the House of Representatives has done is tear down and rip apart the threads of our democracy. We cannot allow one party to be so frustrated with the outcome of an election that they will undo our Constitution. Before this impeachment ever started, it was outcome determinative in the House of Representatives. And we are asking the United States Senate to reject these articles, to ensure that our democracy is strong, to ensure that all Americans are protected by the rule of law. As a prosecutor, I would have been ashamed to bring such a case with no evidence, no facts, before a jury. I would have expected to lose outright and to perhaps even be laughed at. But unfortunately, we have leadership in the House of Representatives that are so frustrated, not at what has done as president, but what they thought he had done. It is merely what they believe is the corrupt. There are no facts being presented to justify this. And again, we are standing here today as attorneys general, the chief legal officers of our states, asking the U.S. Senate to reject these articles of impeachment. Now I'd like to invite up my colleague from the great state of Indiana, Mr. Curtis Hill. Good afternoon. My name is Curtis Hill. I'm from the state of Indiana, attorney general. And we are here to defend the Constitution. We are here to defend fairness. 
Now, in a court of law, we call fairness due process. And I've heard people say, well, this isn't a court of law, so therefore due process doesn't work. When do we rewrite the standards of due process and fairness? This particular vehicle, this impeachment vehicle, began when the Democrats took Congress. And they thought it was going to play out through the Mueller investigation, which did not play out. But the vehicle was left running with the engine on until another vehicle could come along. And that's not the way we play the game. I was a prosecutor for a number of years, and impeachment is tantamount to indictment. It's a charge. And when you make a charge, you need to have the information behind it clear and not vague, clear and articulable. We have two articles of impeachment that are vague, that do not set forth crimes, and it's appalling. As my colleagues have indicated, this would not stand in a court of law. It's completely, completely anti-fair, and we demand that the Senate repudiate in the strongest terms this process and return it to fairness. Thank you very much, and at this time I'd like to invite my colleague from the great state of Alabama, Mr. Steve Marshall. General? Thank you, General Hill. Good afternoon. I'm Steve Marshall, the Attorney General from Alabama. I appreciate the leadership shown by General Wilson and General Landry in allowing us to be able to submit this Friends of Letter brief. It is thorough. It is a full examination of both the facts and the law that the Senate has to apply. But despite that significant analysis, fundamentally what that letter about is the idea of fairness, or maybe better said, the lack of fairness. As a prosecutor for 20 years, what I've seen is an unfair process brings about an unjust result. And that is what the Senate now has an opportunity to stop. I also find it remarkable as somebody who has stood before juries and judges, who's brought charging instruments against defendants, to now hear the House say that they are not prepared and that they are not ready. What that simply shows is not that they are not prepared, is that they have no case. Our letter demonstrates the various reasons why the Senate should reject this effort, and we need to return the President back to the work of this country and Congress to be able to serve the people in which they were elected. Quick question, then I have a follow-up. You've all prosecuted a lot of cases. Have you ever prosecuted a case without witness testimony or discovery of evidence? First of all, what I, the first thing I would tell you is that before you'd even bring a case, you have to meet a litmus of fundamental evidentiary standards. And the problem we have here is exactly that. If the House, what we have today is a fishing expedition. And if the House continued to want to fish, they should have left it in the House and not sent the articles here. And that's the problem. Once you bring the indictment over, it means this is the best evidence I have. You don't continue on a fishing expedition. So you're saying they stop discovery of evidence once the indictment is charged? So, so let me just speak. I mean, your, your premise is to suggest there was no witnesses. I actually was in depositions over 100 hours, 17 different witnesses. And so when, when we look at the, the witnesses and the evidence, it's the House's job to actually do the investigation. And, and now what we're trying to do is move that investigation over to the Senate. It's just not the appropriate place. It's not what our founding fathers set up. And candidly, uh, it shows, as, as the general from uh, 
uh, from Alabama said, it, it shows that they have no case and they're not prepared. And, and so I think it's, it's important that we recognize the difference. Our minority leader Schumer told us this morning that a lot of uh, the president's uh, legal team was just playing to Fox News. What do you think, what do you hope to accomplish with this? Is this just for the cameras? Is this just for us? Well, you're not with Fox, you're with Fox. <laughs> yeah, no, look, again, I, again and, 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 you know, General Hill, General Marshall, General Rutledge can tell you, I, you know, I think, again, to his question, Y'all have to recognize something. If we brought this case into a criminal court, the defense would automatically ask the judge, motion the judge to strike the case based upon a lack of evidence. And that's what we're here to tell you. There's a complete lack of evidence, whether they went through witnesses or not, whether they, whether they went through the documentation or not. They should have ne this case should not be before the Senate today. And that's the problem. We're here today to say that there's a foundation in this country, okay? That a court of law is a place where you receive justice and fairness. And, and those people out there who are elected to serve in this Congress should respect that as well. What do you influence senators? Well, we, uh, we hope to educate and inform senators through the legal opinion. We also hope to, through, through all of you here today, to educate and inform the public because they have a right to know what's going on in this building behind me. And, and back to the question the gentleman asked earlier, I've never taken a case to trial where I had not completely vetted all the witnesses. And listen, every trial has preliminary hearings where one side says, I want X document or talk to X person. And the other side says, well, that's excluded under the rules of discovery. And they have preliminary hearings, which is what a court would have done under the executive privilege invocation. So uh, what the House basically did is they indicted first, now they want to ask questions. And that's the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. I didn't, I didn't hear your name. Uh, yes, actually, um, I met with my, one of my senators this morning. I met with Senator Graham and, and presented him with a copy of the letter prior to this. I also told him that we will be, will be coming up here presenting this, and he welcomed that letter uh, to inform the uh, Senate. Has the Secretary of the Senate given you any indication about how your letter could be entered into evidence, provided to... Oops, sorry, microphone malfunction. So I wanted to play that for you so you can listen more on what they had to say. But here was the clue that I wanted to talk about, because we're going to talk about Lindsey Graham a little bit. You guys know my love affair with him. But, <laughs> but take a listen to this. Again. Uh, yes, actually. Um so she said she's from Next Star Broadcasting. That's like NBC um, affiliates and CBS affiliates outside of the major cities. I met with my, one of my senators this morning. I met with Senator Graham. And, and so yesterday morning, he met with Senator Graham. And presented him with a copy of the letter. And he gave him a copy of the letter yesterday. But under <clears throat> the texts that I... Um, read to you in the first hour from Wayne Stengem, who's the North Dakota attorney general, who's a Republican, who has two Republican senators. He already had the letter on Sunday, but refused to sign it. So he already had the letter because they expected him to sign it. But see, not even the other attorney generals know what kind of trouble that attorney general is, which means also that the attorney generals that, you know, reached out to their Senate reached out to them when they were they already signed it and said hey this is what we're doing let's meet up 
or they weren't going to sign in and gave it to their senators. Here's the here's the stuff they're putting. This is what you're going to need to tackle when it comes to trial at the Senate. Sneaky way, you know, for the Democrats we're talking. But for the case of this, look at how Lindsey Graham got it last. And that could be based on the fact that Lindsey Graham congratulated Schiff yesterday. He congratulated him and told him, you are so well-spoken. Uh, quote, good job. You're very well-spoken, said Senator Graham walking out of the Capitol as he encounters Schiff and shakes his hand. That's where we are, you guys. We've got the the chief legal officers of states as friends of the Senate to say, here's our legal opinion, guys. Maybe your legal guys aren't doing their job. Here's how we would put it. There's no way any of this would fly in my state. This is partisan. This is because they don't like him and because they don't like that he's president. So now we're just going to do a little bit of a recap of what Meadows had to say and what Jay Sekulow said before we delve into right? The whole Spygate stuff. This is going to be fun. Okay. Breaking tonight analysis right now from one of the president's defenders been on the Senate floor. Attorney Jay Sekulow is on the impeachment team for the president. He joins us from Capitol Hill. It feels good to stand up. I'm sure it does. Thanks, yeah. Brent. Tell me uh, what you thought of today so far and uh, your impressions. Well, you know, it's been as it was yesterday. This is, these are long days. And, and so far the conclusion today, what you kind of heard through their statements and their presentation is, I mean, this is what seems so odd to me. You've got the, they're complaining. I mean, we had a whole section where they were complaining about no Oval Office meeting because the meeting was actually at the United Nations General Assembly with the president of Ukraine, with President Zelensky. So, I mean, that was an issue that was going on. And then a complaint that the delegation sent to President Zelensky's inaugural was not high enough. This is not impeachable. I mean, these policy disputes are not what the founders had in mind when it came to uh, the seriousness of an article of impeachment or a conviction or on an impeachment. So I think, look, I mean, we've, it's, we basically are already into what I would call repeat cycle. We're hearing the same things each time. Obviously, we haven't put on our case yet. That's a couple of days away. But I'm, I'm quite confident um, uh, where this goes at the end of the day. But we're going through the process. Yeah. Uh, right now. So I want to take you yeah. backwards uh, to early this morning, and then yeah. I want you to look forward. But sure. backwards early this morning, yeah. there was this dust up between uh, Jerry Nadler on the floor, and then you and Pat Cipollone came yeah. up and, and kind of admonished him for what he was saying, yeah. and then the Chief Justice got in the middle of sure. it. What's your take of that moment and how it well went down? Well, look, I mean, they, Jerry Nadler accused the United States Senate of being liars and also of a cover up. He accused the president's lawyer, Pat Cipollone, of basically, you know, try to make it as if he had done something uh, that was unethical. He was representing his client. And then uh, he sa- makes the statement on the floor of the United States Senate when he says executive privilege and other nonsense. These are constitutional privileges recognized by the Supreme Court. And by the way, overwhelmingly recognized by the Supreme Court. Executive privilege which has been implied in uh, multiple administrations dates all the way back to our founding, actually. And to go, to be that cavalier on the floor of the United States Senate, albeit it was late at night, and um, you know, so so emotions were a little high. Uh, I've, I've appeared before John Roberts uh, before, of course, and I've known John Roberts. He's he's doing a great job as the uh, presiding officer of the Senate. He basically said lower the temperature down. But I'm going to tell you something: when they accuse my client on the floor of the Senate, or they accuse senators of not being able to keep their oath. And not being truthful 
and being involved in the cover-up, we're going to say something. We're going to have to respond, now even in the floor of the United States to Senate. look forward, because this yep. is something you haven't done. In the House, obviously, in these committee hearings, uh, the president's lawyers were not there. The counter-argument was not essentially made, besides the Republicans were making it without really witnesses there. How do you structure your arguments going forward, if you can kind of shed some light on that? Yeah, well, look, I mean, in part, we're, we're responding to what they're saying, but we're also going to put on an affirmative case. That not only with the president was completely legal, completely constitutional, perfectly legal, perfectly constitutional, perfectly appropriate, but that the idea that this reaches the level of impeachment, legally speaking, is, is really absurd. But we're going to be putting on a series of lawyers that are going to be dealing with the issues on the facts in great detail, on the law and the Constitution. We've got two constitutional law professors, uh, one former solicitor general of the United States with Judge Starr, uh, Alan Dershowitz, of course. Uh, Professor Emeritus from Harvard Law School. I'm going to talk about the foundations of what it means to rise to a level, what is impeachable, what is not. We've got a tremendous fact presentation. And look, we're going to be responding also to what goes on in the next few days. Uh, that's part of what you have to do Zero when you go ten. second. Zero to ten, what's your level of concern, ten being the highest, as you look at this list of GOP senators, uh, potentially, who've suggested that witnesses may factor in, uh, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, Lamar Alexander, Cory Gardner, as you look at that list, zero to ten, what's your level of concern that you may have to have witnesses in this Senate trial? I mean, I, I don't think, you know, look, they're going to have to prove the need for witnesses in the sense that they're presenting all of this information. I mean, they've been doing this now for uh, almost two days. And I, I'm not going to predict what the Senate does. I will tell you this. I'm not concerned about it because I know the facts and I know the law and we have a great team and we're ready to proceed in any way it goes. I don't believe that it'll get to witnesses, but that's going to be the Senate's decision. So I'll I will tell you this. I, I, you know what? I'm, listen, here's how I operate. Prepare for every contingency. We're prepared for every contingency. We're going to put on a strong case. We're going to make the case on why it's not necessary to have witnesses. We're going to talk about what the law requires, and we will deal with whatever the Senate decides and move forward. Our job, and we've been saying this for you know basically 18 hours, was to get this process started. And it's taken a, you know, 12 hours to get it even started, and now yeah. we're getting started. Well, Jay, we appreciate you taking time and talking Thanks. to us. I'll put you down for a appreciate three, it. and we'll follow every element. Uh, we love Jay Sekulow, but, you know, he made a clear point. It was complete trash talk. It was rubbish. But you know what I really liked? And I think Mike, uh, uh, who's a dear friend, who DM'd me a tweet by the president, something I said earlier, the Democrats don't want a witness trade because shifty shift, the Bidens, the fake whistleblower, and the second whistleblower, the so-called informer and many other Democrat disasters, because it would be a big problem for them. We're instigating, yeah, let us trade. Let us get our witnesses and you can get yours. Because when we call ours, if we allow you to even bring witnesses, ours will eradicate any leg you stand on because we'll bring big names. So this is all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll give you Hunter Biden. Let's bring him here to finish this. Yeah. Is it so? Is it so, though? Now, let's take a listen to what the Democrats, the, the, the cover up that the Democrats are doing because of Schiff's involvement with the whistleblower. But it's not just that. We're covering up blimps, money, cash, hard, cold cash. And on that note, I just wanted to say, uh, while we're listening to this, I want you to think Brexit happened, right? Mm? Brexit happened. Remember the pin tweet I have about the crown? We'll visit that because that all has to deal with Owen. Take a listen to what Meadows had to say. 
Lawyers coming out in full swing on day one of opening arguments, trying to make their case for removing the president from office. Welcome to a brand new hour of America's Newsroom. We've made it to Thursday morning. I'm oh, Sandra yeah. Smith. Almost the weekend. Good morning, Ed. I'm Ed Henry. Good to be here with you. Democrats laying out the evidence that the president led a pressure campaign to get Ukraine to investigate the Bidens for his own personal and political benefit, saying his actions jeopardized America's national security. There are no close calls. The evidence shows that President Trump unlawfully withheld military assistance appropriated by Congress to aid our ally in order to extort that government into helping him with his reelection. Ambassador Taylor was exactly right. That's crazy. It's worse than crazy. It's repulsive. It's repugnant. It breaks our word. Let's get right to it with our headliner, Republican Congressman Mark Meadows, the member of the House Oversight Committee and President Trump's defense team, joins us now. Congressman, good morning to you. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. All right, so first up, how do you think things are going in this trial? Well, listen, we've heard all of this before. Uh, this is just a, a repeat of things that we heard in the House. It's built on a corrupt foundation. Uh, the House impeachment managers are actually not only making false statement, but they're intentionally misleading the American people. How do we know that? Because they're cherry picking certain parts of testimony and it's, it's all built on their narrative to try to impugn uh, the, the facts of the case. Here, here's, you know, this is like Groundhog Day. The only difference is Bill Murray's days kept getting better. Adam Schiff's are not getting any better. And, and so we, we need to make sure that the American people understand two things. Everything that the House impeachment managers are going to say today is going to be based on second and third hand knowledge. There's no first hand witnesses. You know why? Because those first hand uh, witnesses actually have exonerated the president of the United States. So we're going to continue to hear allegations of cover up. The only cover up that I've seen is actually Adam Schiff and his team's cover up on their coordination with the whistleblower. Okay. So I look forward to putting, pushing back. But, but hang on, Congressman. There are some yeah. other firsthand witnesses that the Democrats say we have not heard from, such as John Bolton and Mick Mulvaney. So if you want to hear from firsthand witnesses who are going to say the president's exonerated, why won't you call for John Bolton to come forward? Well, listen, Ed, how many more firsthand witnesses do we have to say that uh, have to testify that the president is not guilty? We've heard from President Zelensky. We've heard from the number two and number three. We've heard from the vice president of the United States, Ambassador Volker, Tim Morrison. Listen, they are going on a fishing expedition, hoping that they can find something because their case is so flawed. But if we're going to hear from additional witnesses, I'm over here on the House side. That's the House's job to do the investigation. When it gets to the Senate, you can't say our case is not that strong. We would love to hear from other witnesses in the hope. Well, they, and I would emphasize the hope of finding something new. But the, and of course, they make the point that there was additional evidence revealed after the House voted on the articles of impeachment. Chuck Schumer was asked about that potential witness swap. Here's how he responded. All right. He can't, we can't roll on it right now. I'll just read it to you. I think it's off the table, says Chuck Schumer. Republicans have a right to bring in any witness they want. They haven't wanted to. And that trade is not on the table. Your response. But that's, but, but, but that's the whole false narrative, Sandra. I mean, you know, here we are. Chuck Schumer saying that when I was in 
the deposition room asking for additional witnesses. What, what was the response? Adam Schiff and his team said, no, you can't have those witnesses. Any witness that we asked for that was not already on the Democratic list were denied over here in the House. And so for Chuck Schumer to say that, either he's being uh, outright uh, telling a lie or he's so misinformed on what actually happened over here in the House. Yeah. Uh, uh, listen, when, when you look at all this, you have to understand that for 71 days over here in the House, not a single witness, not a single Trump defense lawyer was allowed to participate. And they're starting to say that they want a fair process now. Uh, it, it, it's just not legitimate. Well, Congressman, and to that point, I remember earlier in this process, you uh, and Devin Nunes and and others were pushing, for example, for Hunter Biden uh, to be a witness. And Democrats like Adam Schiff did not allow that earlier in the process. Are you confident you may be able to get Hunter Biden as a witness now? And I wonder if you might react to Joe Biden, the former vice president, of course, his dad, saying on the trail yesterday, they're not going to participate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when they're not going to participate. That doesn't surprise me because Hunter Biden and Joe Biden have a lot more at risk than the president of the United States. So I don't see a, a witness exchange, uh, Hunter Biden for uh, John Bolton or anything like that. I can tell you when we were on the House side, I was one of the few uh, Republican members that said, I'm willing to hear from Secretary Pompeo. I'm willing to hear from uh, Secretary Perry, who actually had firsthand knowledge. But what did we get from our Democrat colleagues? Oh, no. Well, we we want to close this down. We want to rush to impeachment. We want to actually have something that is more political than practical. Congressman, a lot of um, senators have made the point that the members of the Senate haven't been watching the process, especially in the House, as closely as, say, you did, having a front right. row seat to those hearings. Um, John Kennedy alluded to that when he walked out of the chamber and said his, he's learned a lot. Uh, so far through this process, everybody has. He said senators didn't know the case or did they didn't know the whole case. He reportedly told someone as he walked out of the chamber. Lisa Murkowski, obviously very important. She told reporters she's still listening. So are you getting a sense that any Republicans' minds could be changed as Democrats continue to make their case? Well, fortunately for me, I've seen the facts, I've seen the documents, and I also know what's going to happen in the three days that the Trump defense team gets to do a rebuttal. I also know the false narrative and that corrupt foundation that the House impeachment managers are trying to spin right now. But I do want to compliment my Senate colleagues. I've been on the, on the floor there. They're taking notes. They're, they're actually uh, looking forward to, I believe, the question and answer portion of this. But I, I can tell you, when it, it's all said and done, what they're going to find out is, is this case, the Democrats' House impeachment case is built on two things, hearsay and hurt feelings. Hearsay from a lot of people that had no firsthand knowledge and the hurt feelings that the President of the United States had the audacity to hold up aid while we tried to address corruption in a foreign country. Congressman, what did you say to Adam Schiff when he was on the floor of the Senate yesterday, basically saying the President's misconduct cannot be decided at the ballot box. We cannot be assured that the vote will be fairly won. He's he's flatly saying that that the American people can't decide the next election somehow. Well, that's exactly what he's saying. And at least he was honest and transparent with that. It's one of the first things that I've heard come out of Adam Schiff's mouth that actually helps us understand what this is all about. This is all about the Democrats in the House believing that they're 
they're smarter than the American people. Wow, the connection on that is really bad, but I'll, I'll stop it there. And I just wanted to say that's exactly it. They know better for you. You don't know any better. How dare you want to vote? Now that we can't fix your vote, we can't trust you. I mean, bottom line is the average votes that people would get is 50 mil, 100 million altogether. We had an unprecedented amount of votes during 2016. Didn't tickle anybody on that one, right? How did we get over 120 million, 20 more, 20 million more people on average came out and voted in 2016 than they have ever done so? But, you know, that's just normal. Nothing to do with election fraud or anything. Not because there's so many, you know, indictments flying around, you know, uh, happening right now with the Awan case. Oh, and by the way, I just wanted to say in regards to the Awan case, let me just say, uh, no one bothered me about that again. No one contacted me about that. I didn't hear anything about it. Do you know why? Because that's the last thing they want is my testimony in that case. Because it would blow it up completely. So no one came to me about the Seth Rich thing because I already know that there's grand juries. I already know what's going on. I've been telling you for over a year. This is happening. It kind of is, is, you know, resonates just like what Rudy Giuliani said today. Everything I tried to tell the press last March is now coming out and more. I will now start to reveal the evidence directly to you, the people. The Biden family enterprise made millions by selling public office. Then when Joe was Obama's point man, they all made millions. And how did they make millions? Aside from laundering our money because they'd never get caught. Aside from it, right? Because they'd never get caught. They made money, okay, by selling our information. What? So this is where Spygate gets very interesting. So, you know, we hear a lot about this lethal aid and you're holding it, but I wrote articles about it and told you about how President Barack Hussein Obama had been withholding aid like crazy throughout time, right? And you're going to say, well, what do you mean withholding aid? Did they give them anything? Not really. Not really. They didn't. They didn't. But what you have to remember is that they would give them something, which is line the pockets of the politicians, get in bed with the politicians. So over three years ago, Patrick Howley, who you guys know I love, I adore him. He published an article in 2017. And it showed that evidence was presented how the, and this was done right um, in July of 2017, right? This was, this, this article he put together showed that this, the United States Supreme Court was hacked by deep state surveillance operation overseen by Obama administration CIA director John Brennan and Obama director of national intelligence James Clapper. Roberts it goes, the Bush appointee who made the decisive vote to uphold the constitutionality of Obamacare. So Robert, supposedly a Republican appointee, says that Obamacare is constitutional when it's not. Before the 2012 election, was allegedly the victim of the same deep state surveillance program that spied on President Trump. Hmm. 
So there were tapes uh, that were released uh, by federal judge uh, uh, J. Murray Snow. And those tapes actually had discussions and reports in regards to uh, the um, hacking, right? So these were hacking that a CIA and NSA contractor by the name of Montgomery um, pretty much put uh, out. So let me see if I can play a little short uh, clip. Okay. Okay. Now, what I'm going to play for you is something very familiar to me. Take a listen. Hey, brother. Good. All right, so two questions for you. What type of frozen yogurt no, no, are we no, having no. tonight? No. <laughs> like my steak from Ruth Chris. Right, so two, <laughs> two months ago, where'd I go? Two months ago? Yeah, give or take. When you went to... Uh, Just say it. Are you talking about when you, when you went? Oh, when, oh yeah, when you went to LA to go do the, uh, the. Do you want me to say where? Yeah, just tell them. Lockheed. Yeah. Lockheed. Okay. So you were here, and they give me the cash, and yeah. yeah. They gave him cash to go to Lockheed. Yeah. How much cash did they give him? I don't remember. You don't know. No, but just it was a few thousand. Yeah. I can't remember. Exactly okay. Now. Do you know okay. what he took? I know what Dennis took. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The information they wanted him to get, which was... Uh... Right, he probably didn't know the other driver. No. Okay, so have you ever heard them, and just if you haven't, say it. So I don't want to ask the question and then lead him. So. Well, lead him. It's okay because there's no other way to do it. Right, so did you ever hear them tell me to slow play this, Travis, or no? I've heard them say something like, you know, well, they needed it fast, and then they said, well, we'll slow down. But uh, I don't really remember them. Yeah, say it directly. Saying it directly. Right. Why would they tell you to slow it down? Well, it's because the time that they were asking at that time, I'm doing snow stuff. Son of a bitch. Now, you know, as I told you, it really doesn't matter because I didn't. Because... I think they think I just had a bunch of drives with all this work all done, and I've just been dragging it out, which is not really the case. They know that. No, it's apparent. Yeah. Ish, did you take him to the airport to go to Lockheed? Who took me? Uh, did Brian? Yeah, I don't remember who. I haven't been here for a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, big, big catch up. Seven <laughs> grand, right? And. And then later they gave me, I think it was because they shorted me because I had to pay more than that to do it. Okay. So basically what happened is they came back and said, yeah, the the Sheridan says go do it, but they can't be involved with it. Sheridan said to go do it, but they can't be involved in it? That's correct. Okay, so. They could not fly with me to do it. Okay, so they couldn't go with you, but they. Now, the 7000 that they gave you, was five of that your regular five grand? No, no, because I, I, you know, I told them, that, you know, same thing I told everybody before, you cost so much money, I paid to get so much per hour, I was down there 27 hours. Okay. So it's like almost 8000 Okay, so this is completely separate. Did they give you a receipt for that money? No. Did you, you didn't sign a receipt for that money? I don't think so. 
Okay. Yeah. And they, so then they knew exactly why you were going. Well, the thing, and then, yeah, of course they did. And the thing is, let them have it. A really heavy government. You know what? Through harvesting to protect the country, uh, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. We inadvertently collected it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It's innocuous information. Nothing can really be done with it. Yeah. Social security number, credit card numbers, credit card numbers. What else could be done with this information? What could you do if you wanted to destroy the life of somebody with this information? I'd go into their email accounts and I'd start uploading emails. I'd send pedophile picture links into their email accounts of pedophile kids. I'd say this guy's a pedophile. I would create a list of linked list. I'd upload into his email account all that. Then I'd download his email. I'd say, look at all the websites this guy's been to. He's been to pedophile accounts. How could you financially destroy somebody with this? Oh, it's easy. I'd just go on his bank account, move around. I'd go to the IRS. I'd, I'd take the information out. Let's say, I go, let's say, because I went into Jay Edwards, Morgan Stanley. I'd go into his account, take all the information, send it over to the IRS, let him have it. Oh, really? He only claimed 87000 this year. Well, here's all of his bank account records. Oh, by the way, they're offshore. I don't know if you know that. I, I, there's an endless way I can do it. Right. There's, there's so much data here, there's, there's no way to protect yourself. When you're doing this with Fox, you've got to try to convey that because the I've public already, doesn't understand I've already data. said it twice. Okay. And I've said it on the record. Okay. And what I've said on the record is it isn't innocuous information. The problem is, who has this? That's right. The guy walks out of the building that's somebody's buddy and he's over there charging bank accounts or going into people's email accounts because he's got the passwords to them. That's why people are told to change your passwords all the time and all that. I mean, it goes it goes on. I mean, what does the government say? We weren't document harvesting? I just showed you your fucking letter. You want your emails? They're on there. I'll start dumping emails to you. You know, it's 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 without it's without limit. So what I will work on today is I will I will search both of your names, number one, and, and the sheriff's name. Okay. And I'll collect, and I'll collect all phone records between some period of dates or whatever, between anybody. Do you care about, you want only people between in Arizona, or you want wh whoever they call, you don't give a shit. You want only Arizona calls, or you want out-of-state calls, or both, or whatever? I think just Arizona call, just Arizona for, for us, right? So, I mean, do we, right, if they so call that a state, doesn't really matter to us. Details on our piles phone would be interesting. Well, monitors or piles, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we just want to be able to say, hey, you know what? We know for a fact that obviously Mike and I and the sheriff aren't terrorists. Yeah. You right. guys need to fucking call. You guys want to hide behind this bullshit. What you need to do you need is to, you need to put it to them. Because, yeah, exactly. Because if they knew that you had me, they had, if they knew <laughs> that you had me, right. they know that it's over. It's over. That was the thought process behind this whole thing. I mean, is, they know, this is real, well, and they know he's got intel on himself. I mean, that they violated his constitutional rights. Right, but see, they're never banking that you would. No. not a million years would they blank if you have ever made the connection to me, and they probably know now. Yeah, I'm that. sure they know now. But you know, it's, how do you discredit me with all this? I mean, you can't. You can't. Please be seated. How freaky was that? Right, guys? You're like, what are you playing, Tori? Huh? 
What are you playing for us right now? And what I'm playing for you, what I was playing for you are some audio recordings of someone who knows exactly, exactly what is going on. Exactly what has happened when Comey was at Lockheed Martin. This is information they can use to destroy every single person. They have everything. And then you have to think, if there's a computer or a database that has all this information, where is it? I've already told you it was in Luxembourg. And Owen knows exactly what I'm talking about. This is where they went to, but they couldn't do it because there were only there was only one intelligence agency that was willing to, to well, willing that thought they were invincible, that thought that they were so arcane that they would be allowed to do it. But like um, many said, uh, there's a lot of intelligence agencies that you don't know about, a lot of intelligence agencies that no one talks about that could only sit there and just collect information and watch and watch for when and how they strike. And so if, if you learned anything, you know, throughout these years that we've had President Trump as president of the United States, you've realized that um, a lot is happening. I want to listen. I want you to listen um, to Millie Weaver's report uh, that she did on Space Force's secret mission again. But what I'm going to uh, put the information where I want to put it at for you so you get what is really happening. And that's how we're going to roll into the crown is um, who and what is going to have a big problem and who has a problem probably even an ankle bracelet already take a listen posturing with china and the european union during the new year's celebration a major game change was about to take place derailing something that has been in place for a very long time stage separation confirmed and there is stage separation and second engine start. You can see that second engine on your right screen. The declassification of the NRO in 1999 revealed a back channel that gave the executive branch additional protections from potential coup operations stemming from the intelligence community. A hidden chain of command within the intelligence community and continuity of government structure at the president's disposal. 9-11 allowed a separate chain of command to set up, creating a more formidable deep state shadow government built around perpetual continuity of government national emergencies. We take the continuity of government issue very seriously. I have an obligation as the president, and my administration has an obligation to the American people to, put, to provide, put measures in place that should somebody be successful in an attack in Washington, D.C., there's an ongoing government. Within this shadow government chain of command is the alternative command and control that is carrying out a coup against President Trump. Other agencies, some within the intelligence community, are part of a counter-coup operation. The deep state is aligned with globalization, the European Union, and certain other union deals with China, Russia, and the rest of the world. 
The counter coup operation is protecting America first policies, seeing globalization as a threat to American sovereignty. Operatives like John Brennan work towards globalization by merging national interests into international interests, merging intelligence gathering from a national security interest into an international interest. Now, I just want to tell you that this was actually set up by him after 2001. It was when he was out of the government per se and had gone over to Luxembourg where he used um, uh, Arab money to set this up. And it all leads back to the crown, Lord Malak. There is some deep chains. And I know a lot of people uh, would love me to put the pathway, but it's just not time yet. Noah's Ark has been built, and that ark is under President Trump. We are in an ark because right now, remember how I always said poops float, poop floats in the water? They're drowning. They are literally drowning. And even though, even though, even though many would see that Brexit is indeed a success, uh, you know, the United Kingdom, uh, their voices were heard, but they've altered their plan. And you'll understand what I mean. Just take a listen to how Millie so eloquently put this together. Outsourcing national intelligence to a privatized intelligence syndicate of overseas corporations. Insert Global Strategies Group. This shadow government would also have to have mechanisms, coups, assassinations, impeachments, etc. to protect itself in the event a real president gets elected and tries to eliminate or dismantle the deep state. For the president to get around the coup, for a counter coup to be successful, an alternative chain of command had to be set up. Notice Trump's staying in Mar-a-Lago? Notice the White House has been being redecorated? A little debugging, perhaps? And then there was this. Tension rods released and payload deploy confirmed. Oh yeah. The day before World War III was supposedly breaking out, Space Force launched a curious payload that coincidentally went directly over Ukraine, Turkey, and Iraq. Of all places, just hours before the Iranian missile attack launched. For President Trump to get around the deep state coup operation, he had to create Space Force a public face to a more OG back channel designed to protect the interests of the United States and the president from the intelligence community, AKA swamp creature number one. Not only was there a perceived versus actual situation versus a continuity of government alternative situation, but an even deeper than that magical situation. Several tells exist in the public that point this out. 17 intelligence agencies supposedly signed off on the 2016 Russia election interference story. We have 17, 17 intelligence agencies, civilian and military, who have all concluded that these espionage attacks, these cyber attacks, come from the highest levels of the Kremlin and they are designed to influence our election. This turned out to be false, and the mainstream media had to issue retractions and fire people, remember? 
As you know, the IC was a coordinated product from three agencies, CIA, NSA, and the FBI. Okay, three agencies, not intelligence agencies, three agencies, because only one of those is intelligence, right? So here's where this outsourcing happened, you guys. Global uh, Global Strategies Group, Global Security Group, that's, you know... Um, GSG uh, that we've been paying a lot of money to that suddenly their web page is down now. It is down now. They are the ones that have been taking all this data, this data that can destroy you in a heartbeat, this data that can erase you with a click, with a delete button, with any just deleted. You're gone. You're so gone that you have no idea if you're going or coming. You could be in they. what was that movie where he woke up and they were, and he didn't exist and he was someone else and he didn't exist. I forget the title. That's what it is. And that is what John Brennan created. And take a listen to what else um, Clapper says here, aside from the fact that only three agencies, not 17 did it. I not all 17 components of the intelligence community. Only the CIA, FBI, and NSA went along with this Russia election interference story. Not to forget, these same three agencies also went along with the false yellow cake excuse to go to war with Iraq. Remember that one? Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. We know it was a danger. First, if there really was foreign interference in the election, then why didn't the Department of State's Bureau of Intelligence and Research provide a footnote? Second, why wasn't the Defense Intelligence Agency involved? Why wasn't the National Intelligence Council involved? All of these are signs that there was nothing there. By the way, the FBI is not an intelligence agency. They really are law enforcement, so only two intelligence agencies were actually involved in the Russia collusion story, the CIA and the NSA. If the Russia collusion story was real, there would have been footnotes from every intelligence agency involved. And since we don't have any footnotes, well, we know it's fake. But if it's fake, why didn't the other 15 intelligence agencies make public statements? But they did. They just didn't do it the way you would see it. Maybe they did it through Facebook. Maybe they did it through blogs and articles and tweets and forums. They did. Because the thing is, you can't. You need to sit and watch. And she says this. Because they would have had to unmask themselves to do so. Exactly. You can't unmask yourself. I mean, when you do, you get a lot of heat. And I'm speaking from experience. Now, with Owen, with this agency that has been shut down, there's more to coming. You know, when we see the the tide is here, we can see that it's all being washed. You know, water cleanses everything. It is going to be so amazing, so amazing. But, you know, they're very malleable creatures, these uh, corrupt clowns. They're very malleable because now that you see that they've allowed, okay, Brexit, they've allowed, and I repeat, allowed Brexit to happen. It's been allowed only because they, they found an alternate plan.
And they were working on it from the moment President Trump took office. And that was, how do we convince them to do what we want? That's right. We'll pass a law in Canada and create a position for royalty. And in comes Harry and Meghan. We'll create a law in Australia that's happening now silently. And in comes another head. Unfortunately, they had to decentralize because... Here's the kicker. Who started the European Union, you guys? Was it Germany, France? No, it was England. It was the crown that began the European community. So what you're telling me is that the European community that was created by the crown, that was initiated by the crown post-Churchill, right? That was initiated by them, that they would leave what they built or is it that they realized that it can't stand any longer? That's what's really happening. So there's more to come. This has been a busy, busy news week. On that note, God bless everyone. I will see you again here tomorrow, 12 to 2 Eastern, only on Red State. God bless.